First, a word of welcome to Bishop Mark Bartosik, who is celebrating our Mass with us today. Uh, Bishop Bartosik is an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Chicago and the um, Episcopal Vicar of uh, Vicariate II, which is not our vicariate, but he's a, a kind mentor of mine for many years and a supporter also of this <clears throat> mission here at the Newman Center, so I'm appreciative that he's here to, to celebrate our liturgy with us today. On this Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, um, we just heard the story of the passion of Jesus, which is to say his suffering. Passion is one of those words that has a, a, a double valence. We more often think of it as uh, desire, passionate uh, longing or yearning. But passion, passio, the Latin, is where we also get the word passive or patient, which is um, when something happens to you. It's something that you suffer. A patient in a hospital is someone who is suffering and is passive and, and need, is in need of care. The doctor-patient relationship, it's not like a student and a teacher where the student is active, but the, pa- the patient is passive. If you've ever passed time in the hospital, you know that. You, you don't, you're not in charge of anything. People have tubes stuck in you. There's things beeping. People turn on the lights and walk in whenever they want. There's this passiveness and, and, and patience that's um, needed. Um, and that's what we see in Jesus is not only his, his passion in the sense of he's suffering, but his patience, how he suffers well. And that, I think, is one of the things that makes the passion so sorrowful. If you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ or just the, the gospel accounts of the passion read prayerfully, there is a deep sorrow in them, partly because he suffers so innocently and so willingly. He doesn't resist his passion. Um, like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. When push came to shove, when he could have defended himself against all these petty tyrants, these politicians, these jealous priests, this fickle crowd, he didn't defend himself. He didn't condemn them. He simply suffered for them um, and by their hand. Remember, maybe one of the most moving experiences I ever had going into a hospital, I didn't expect, I was called to anoint a 24-year-old woman who was dying. I didn't recognize the name. And when I got there, she was there with her mother, and um, it, was, it was very obvious that she was profoundly disabled, both mentally and physically. I le- learned later that she never spoke her whole life. She was nonverbal. Um, and... Because of this uh, disability and her, her development, she was dying. Physically, she was you know, not able to... She had a, a short life expectancy. And there she was dying, and, but she was so aware. And I looked into her eyes, and she was scared, but silent. And I just knelt down beside the bed across from the mother, and I wept. Um, because I, I, I was seeing Jesus dying. It was literally Jesus, sacramentally, of course, but not metaphorically, not as if it were Jesus, or that's how Jesus suffered. But he was right there in my presence in the suffering of one of his children. And that's, that's the reality, is that this, this suffering that he uh, receives on our behalf is real, and it's in the world, it's in his body, the church, and we receive it in the sacrament of the Eucharist, most especially, the crucified and risen flesh that we eat, that, that is buried in the earth to give life to the world. That this was the cost 
of our salvation was the suffering, the patient suffering of Jesus. But that other valence of desire, of passion, that's also there in the suffering of Jesus. Because desire is a kind of suffering. We think of that like you've seen the picture of Cupid and his arrow. You know, when someone's in love, it's as if they've been pierced. That's an old symbol. Because the experience of falling in love, of, of being passionately in love, is a feeling of having an emptiness opened up in you that longs to be filled. And when that love is awakened, it's beautiful, it's a gift, it's exciting, but it's also terrifying. Because now I, I need, I'm open, I'm empty, and, and I, I'm incomplete without this beloved. And it happens from the time you were a little kid. I remember when I was a child, I, the stories about me when I was two, three years old was that I was terrible. I would just scream and yell if I did not get what I wanted. Because there's this in all of us, and the child has no way of hiding it, this terror that I'm not going to get everything I need. I'm not going to get everything I want. I want so much. Am I going to get it? And if somebody takes me away, uh, doesn't give me the candy I'm looking for, or makes me eat the vegetables I hate, I'm just inconsolable because I have this wound in me. And then later as I, I grew into my childhood and I was a little older, I was a more shy, quiet, muted kid, but not because now I was patient all of a sudden that I could suffer well and happily and innocently, but rather I just had muted those desires as we often do. We manage them. We repress them. We, we manage our expectations because the world just isn't going to deliver as much as we want. And so we cordon off some area of the world or area of our life where we can get maybe what we think we need and that's enough. But we close off that wound. We kind of cover it over because it's too, too painful to let open to the air. What if I'm truly vulnerable, which is Latin for woundable? What if I'm truly open and really want everything that my heart wants? That's what we see in the wounds of Jesus, his passionate desire for union with us. That's when his heart is opened up finally on the cross. It says this is God's response to our sin, our running from him, is that he passionately pursues us and comes after us. It says in the Song of Songs, Solomon says, Stern as death is love, relentless as the netherworld is devotion. That's what we see on the cross. I was at a retreat earlier this week, and I heard a priest tell, um, make this observation, which I thought was really insightful. So that roughly for the first about 1,700 years of Christianity, the great question was how could human beings be justified in the presence of, of Almighty God? How could we possibly, with all that we've done, all that we've gone astray, this, our sins mark us like scarlet, how could we stand before the judgment seat of God and be justified? That was what everybody argued about. All the way from the ancient heresies up until the Protestant Reformation, it was a question of justification, of salvation. But since roughly around that time, the Enlightenment, about 300 years ago, the question shift, shifted, and now God was on trial we said, how could there be a good God if he made a broken world? If there's suffering in this world, if I have to suffer, then God, explain yourself. Justify yourself. And both questions are valid, uh, and I think they both plague us, and they've plagued us throughout human history, but they've just been emphasized differently in different eras. But the interesting thing was, and this priest said this, the answer to both is the cross, 
The answer to how we could possibly be justified by, before Almighty God is that he suffered for us. He suffered on our behalf. And the answer, the justification of God, how could he in his goodness allow the innocent or even the broken and the wounded and the sinful to suffer? The answer is the cross. He suffers with us and for us. Scripture says, by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. And so our wounds, whatever we bring before the altar, before God, things that maybe we've covered over, either the ways we've been hurt, our own suffering, the things that we have to just endure passively because we have no control over them, or simply the, the wound of desire that we're afraid to really open up and to allow to feel, to say, will there ever be anything that can answer this thirst? We look at Jesus on the cross who says, I thirst. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This relentless, infinite love that's poured out of the wounded, open heart of Jesus, that's the answer to our wounds. By his wounds, we are healed.